Yes, legends, what's going on? Welcome back to another Jonah podcast. I'm looking directly at Jules. How are we, guys? Lovely fresh trim and fresh hoodie, son. <laughs> from Ultra Football, a little plug from them. And I've got Shane out to my left. Guys, I don't know what more we can do for you. Gail Clichy, Adam LaFondra, Seamus Keneally. Did I say that right, Shane? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, smash it. And now Spelling's a bit dodgy, bro. Yeah, it's massively dodgy. <laughs> and now another incredible, incredible guest today, guys. Unbelievable. I don't know what more we can do for our fans, Shane. Trying our best, aren't we? Oh, we're trying. We're getting there. Shane's All right. I can't say your name, but you're ready for this intro. It's massive. <laughs> our guest today has over 500 professional appearances to his name. Has played in the Scottish Premier League with Rangers, played in front of 90,000 fans in an FA Cup final, and has also represented his country, Scotland, 14 times. I also forgot to mention that he's our current gaffer of the Mighty Lions. What the Lions? Good Lions. Welcome to the podcast, Gavin Ray. Go on, Gavin. Go, how are you? I'm good, man. Yeah? Yeah, good. Survivor. Yeah, Gav, you have it. a very fresh scent, you know. Great smell, whatever you're wearing there. <laughs> I noticed that as he walked yeah, in. I just dug out the Gucci. Just taking a wolf of it. Is it Gucci? Yeah, Gucci. Oh, love it, mate. Got some of the biggest legs I've ever seen as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm surprised you can fit in that chair. Yeah. Set of quads on him. Set of yeah. quads. Um, so, how's things been going with you, Gov, with, like, obviously, the crazy times that we're living in? Been What's it been like at home and adapting to changing... Our lifestyle, basically. Yeah, it's been it's been tough. You know, it's in business side. It's been it's been difficult. Decimated the business a little bit. But hopefully, that'll come back. Missing the football, obviously. Uh, getting together, try to keep the kids entertained as well. It's been it's been tough. But um, in saying that, it's been good to spend time with the family as well. You know, you're so busy normally. Mm. You know, activities and running the kids about, and um, obviously myself with the two two sort of roles as well as. Normally hectic, so I've enjoyed that side of it, but ready to get back, especially football, definitely ready to get back to that. I do have a quick question, actually. Like, we've got a script, but we can go off script, can't we, Shane? I love the quick question, Lee. No script, there's no script, Lee. How did you find, um, like, obviously the career that you had and then going into, like, work, like, I'm, I suppose a lot of footballers have to do that. Like, you finish your career and then you have to, is it, is it quite scary to think, oh, what now? Like, what, what do I do now? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think I was a bit, a little bit different to some players because I was always sort of looking at that next thing. In saying that, I didn't do enough. I still didn't do enough preparation for when my career did end. Um, you know, if I'd stayed in the UK, I would have definitely went down the coaching route first, like try to get into full-time management or full-time coaching for sure with the connections I, I had in the UK. But coming to emigrating to Australia with a family, I always knew that it was probably not going to get a chance to go straight into football because not that well known here and didn't really have a network here. And um, as much as I'd love to have done that, then that would have been great. But it was always we got here, and then after about I think it was about six weeks, I just thought we should really like get a real job. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, I went for a, a couple of interviews, and as I said, I left school when I was. 15, nearly 16, and went straight to YTS football. So I didn't really have, didn't have a trade or anything, so it was just going to interviews and ended up in technology recruitment. And wow. since then, been doing that for about five years, but the last couple of years has been more toward management consulting and running a small petite consultancy. But I think the biggest thing um, as a professional footballer coming towards the end is you've got to have an open mind. And if you don't, you're going to struggle because I was basically, so I was 36 when I came here. And I'm going in an office and working with people who are 18, 19, 
and the same salary as what I was on, and yeah. taking this and you know the same rules from the boss, <laughs> and working in an office. So you know I was open to it. it was, it's tough. It's really tough, but mm-hmm. you've got to be. You've got to have an open mind to do it because if you don't, you're going to struggle. And you can see a lot of professional sports people do. Yeah, it's interesting because you're seeing now a lot of professional players now are already starting to think ahead. Like they're starting YouTube channels, clothing lines, stuff like that, which some have been criticised for. Like obviously not focusing on football, but I thought, always found that interesting. To hear it from a professional football, anyway. Yeah, and and saying that, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I had my own. We had our own clothing line as well. Um, Jeez, what was it called, mate? Yeah, was it, called? it was called Seven One Zero. Are you still doing that? Because I remember no, I when I Seven One Zero. I think I've seen that somewhere before. Yeah, we had, I remember uh, asking about that. Like, Cover days. Myself and uh, Chris Burke and Curtis Davis. That's, that was us. I had it. We were all doing it part time, and that's probably the biggest thing because <laughs> we're doing it part time. We couldn't dedicate ourselves to it, whereas. A lot of the brands I've got on today is from one of my mates who started roughly the same time, but done it full time. We was finished football company called Be Inspired, and he's absolutely flying, wow. uh, flying like turning over a lot of money and doing very well. They've got like sixty people in the business. Wow! So you know it's good that players are looking to do stuff on the side and, and uh, prepare for after football, but it's hard if you're not being able if you're not dedicating yourself to it full time. And I always felt that. I still had to dedicate myself to my profession yeah. because, mm. to be honest, I had to do that because I wasn't as good as some of the other players, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. not as natural as some of the other players. So I always had to dedicate myself to my craft and that was one of my core focus, obviously, in the football. So it's hard to do both unless you're exceptional and maybe have other people that can help you on it. I think that's one of the biggest downsides for football. It's not it's not a long career, is it? Like, no. you know, unless you're built like Cristiano Ronaldo, like it's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I played 20 years. I started when I was 16, finished when I was 36. And, you know, it goes by in a flash, yeah. in an absolute flash. And then, you know, unless you've played at the, the elite level, you're not going to be set up for life. You know, you have to make sure you, you know, invest in properly and all that sort of stuff. And you, you're going to have to get another career. And that's the thing. Like, I've already had one career and now on to my second career, um, yeah. which is crazy. But it's, as I say, you've got to have an open mind and, I'm enjoying learning new skills and 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 working um, in the city, but you know people have got to be open to that. I just want to talk about uh, the first time I, I wouldn't say met you, but played against you. Because I already know this story because <laughs> I don't know that for everyone that's listening, Gav was my manager at Ocoa and we actually played together. And now we've actually he's our gaffer and Gov's now just took a manager role. Probably still could play for the Lions easy. Um, <laughs> But I remember we had the semi-final, Northbridge against Akoa, and we were fully prepared, you know, studying the opposition, massive game, semi-final. And we rock up and there's some geese in centre mid, quads like tree trunks. We're like, <laughs> who's this? And I just remember you you'd literally got off a plane, was it the day before or the same day? So what happened was I arrived on the, the Friday. Um, but prior to that, so I finished my career in, in May 2014. I was going to say, had you retired before you came? Retired 2014 in May and emigrated in September. But in the June time, uh, Robbo, who's obviously my brother-in-law, yeah. who was at, the manager at Hakoa, you know, we're talking about, you know, when I, when I came over, you still want to play? And I said, yeah, 100%, I'd love to play. He says, you know what, we'll just, we'll chuck you down to you. He actually registered me. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. the reason I was able to play. Yeah, because I, I said to when, boys before, how the hell did he play? That's that how, oh. because he registered me in the June in the transfer window. Because he knew you were coming? He knew it was coming, but he didn't know if he was going to get to the finals. So, obviously, luckily, he got to the finals. But I had, I had nothing... Since he since he told me in the June, 
we're going to register you for the game, uh, for the, you know, when you come over. So, yeah, no problem. Never heard anything of it. I emigrated, flew here, arrived in the Friday morning, and he says, oh, we've got a game Sunday. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he says, I remember I registered this, is he? I said, yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got a game Sunday. I'm like, what? He never even said anything. But look, I was still training with a team, one of my mates in, in the UK, just to keep fit. Um, just a junior team back in Aberdeen. So I was still I was still pretty fit. Came on a Friday. On the Saturday night, he'd organised a charity game at, at Hensley for, I think it was an epilepsy charity. So it was like Steve Corica, Kalash, you know, Simon Hill from t- the radio and all yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and the TV. And then, so it was just, Charity game, he says, We've got a charity game tomorrow. You want to play? 100%. Yeah, I've got a boot. Yes. No worries. Then you play full 90. Yeah. Play full 90 minutes. <laughs> and then he says, oh, got, And then he told me, I've got the game tomorrow. I says, Okay, like, can I play? He says, Well, I've registered. He says, I know worries. So because I played on the Saturday night for 90 minutes, I thought, oh, I think Maybe just put him on the bench and maybe it'll last 10 minutes. And then get, gets to the game on the Sunday and he says, We're going to start you. I'm like, Mate, you've just played me 90 minutes last night. I'm 36. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Um, and then ended up playing in the number 10 role that day. Oh, You'd be fuming if you were the number 10, though. <laughs> you, you just yeah, rocked exactly. up and just That's it. straight in. But we as a team and our coach had like prepared us. And then we were like, Gavin Ray's playing, lads. It just totally threw us off. I think I th- that's why you've done it, though. I think that's why Rob had done it. Because yeah. we wanted to keep it like really... Like, What's the score? I, uh, I sent Brad Walker for a hot dog. <laughs> whipped on him when we left foot. Yeah. It was actually a cracking goal. Yeah, it was good. But we got beat. Yeah. No yeah. way. Jabba's, Jabba's mentality just got us, you know. <laughs> we won 2-1, didn't we? Yeah, 2-1, but it was over two legs, yeah? Yeah, no? so no, 2-1, so we went through the grand final, yeah. and then you had to yeah. play again, and then and we, we played you again in the final. Got beat, but yeah. just on that, just on the game, the semi, I remember Big J, wasn't I? I remember I was telling yeah, you the story. Yeah, oh, he's going to love it. So he was like saying, he was it's saying, just was, Shane, you're going <laughs> to love this. Middle of the game, right? This guy's shouting at me during the game. Where have, you, like, where have you been all season? You've got splinters in your bum, you've been sitting on the bench, I'm like, was Jay playing? Jay went to his playing. Jay was playing against me, like absolutely no battering me, right? And I'm like, so you think I'm somebody else? Or like, what is this guy on about? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it got to the final, and then, as I said to Jonah many times since, I came here, I played two games, semi-final and final, won a grand final within two games. I've been here two weeks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> What the first two weeks, that is. amazing. Jay went, was giving him loads, and I think Jay got on Google after it and thought, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Jay was giving him loads, and didn't, I think he didn't really realise who it was. And then we were like, it's, it's Gavin Ray, mate. No <laughs> like an FA Cup final. <laughs> oh, I was banned at that. Yeah, that that's, um, that's how, because to be honest, I had like my best games against the yeah, colour. And that's how Robbo was yeah, like, yeah. come to a colour. And that's how it all happened. Was it the next season you went to a colour? Uh, yeah, I think so. Did you play it? Did you play the next season? Go for it. I played. I played for three seasons. Oh, did you? Yeah, I played for three seasons. Unbelievable. Retired when I was four. Played in six as well. We had honestly, we had a hell of a team. Was it? Was it MPL one then? Yeah, yeah. I ended up playing. So I done assistant coach and player, and then I was head coach player for two years, and then just head coach since from from that point on. But I played centre half my last year as head coach. Yeah, with Brad. With Brad. And a half, so. Some pace there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really good. And, and Lee on the <laughs> right, or? <laughs> no, no. Because that would be. Jonah was on the wider right when you yeah, that yeah. one. So he's I'm still chasing Adam Parkhouse. <laughs> <laughs> now, we had a good team, didn't we, Gov? But we just didn't. We didn't get going. We just didn't get going. But we managed to stay in that league, which that's, is what, what most teams struggle yeah, to do when they go on. Exactly. We've stayed in the top division for three years. And yeah. 
it's uh, or four years actually. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, yeah, there's some good competing talent. budgets and stuff. It's so what stuff. what brought you to Australia then? Gov? Was it just a vacation? What like what what brought you? Yeah. So my wife's Aussie. She's um, from Maroubra. I grew up in Maroubra, and I met her through Mark, my brother-in-law. So Robbo was at Dundee. Came to Dundee on trial. Signed with Dundee. I'd been at Dundee for years, and then. My wife now was over visiting her sister and her brother-in-law and her niece in Dundee when Robbo was there, and we just hit it off basically. And I've been I've been coming to Australia since two thousand and two, so it's been a long time, you know, in the making before I actually emigrated. I was travelling here every year for twelve years before I emigrated. So would you ever go back home, or are you settled here now? Settled here, you know. It was, it was always a plan. My missus was in the UK with us for twelve years, so obviously the kids kids were born there. But it was always a plan that when I finished playing professional football that um that we emigrated and we've done that after a few months. And I, I love I love living in Australia. I love visiting it when I was coming back every preseason, mm. post season. Mm. Um so it was always a plan to come here and you know I've been here well nearly six years now. It's just flown by again but it's been great. I love I really enjoy it. As to what happens in the future, no idea. Did no you idea. um did you like have any idea about coaching when you're coming over or like did you if was that something that you wanted to do when you were coming over possibly get into coaching definitely you know so I was my last season at Dundee um, I was still playing first team but I was head coach of the reserves which was which was brilliant and the year before that I was um, coaching Aberdeen under 17s so I'd always been there or thereabouts with the coaching and I, I really you know was keen to continue that and when I came out to get the opportunity to be assistant at Akoa and then head coach of Akoa it was a great experience. It's it's exactly like management, but in a like in a, a really small part. You're still dealing with budgets, still dealing with players, formations, etc. Try to keep everyone happy. Dealing with agents, funny enough, even though it's just, it's not a big market for agents in Australia, but still dealing with agents all the time and looking for players and dealing with boards and stuff. So it's been really good experience. But it was it was always the plan. And as I say, if I'd stayed in the UK, that would been my first route to go and try and become a full time head coach or manager so you have so you have some interest in possibly coaching full time or in a professional role here 100%. whether it's A-League or 100%, wherever football goes in this country yeah. it's just unfortunate there's not that many positions yeah, yeah. and that's why I sort of transitioned into just a, a normal business role because you know full time coaching positions here in um, or in Australia isn't there's what 11 10 yeah, 11 like a head coach yeah, yeah and then you've obviously got assistants and stuff but yeah, there's not there's not many roles, so that's that sort of narrows it down. And then not being that well known here as well, obviously doesn't doesn't help. So it was to go into the, the sort of semi pro and the MPL level and, and try and work my way through that and, and try and do that and and then hopefully you know pique somebody's interest. But I've never that hopefully that happening because as I say, there's not that many it's hard, opportunities. It's hard market, mate. Very very hard. Very hard. There's mm-hmm. not many opportunities at all. So it's really difficult. But you know, if, as I say, if it was in the UK and um, you know, I'd love to do that full time. It's, it's what I've done. It's my yeah, life. You know, it's mm-hmm. if I could do that, then hundred percent. But you know, there's absolutely no guarantees of that. So, yeah. if you got a gig back back home, you have to have a good thing. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have to, it'd have to be right for my family for sure. Um, and obviously, you know, the business now is here as well. So, there's lots to weigh up. Mm. Um, and I think even traveling around Australia, like I don't, it's hard because you know we're settled in Sydney. We've, I traveled loads when I was in the UK. You know, moving the family around and. We want to get a sort of base, so Sydney's, Sydney's home, and then again that narrows down the full time opportunities because there's only what two three clubs. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I sort of realised that when I moved to Australia, it was going to be difficult. Gav, what's more stressful, being like being a gaffer or when you were playing? 
I say for like Rangers or like big game, like being a being a player or a coach, what would you say was is more stressful? Um, I'd say if, for where I am now, I'd definitely say playing. Um, the coaching here, because of the level we're at, is yeah more enjoyable for me than yeah, yeah, than yeah. pressure. You know, there's there's no press. You know, you know yeah. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> there's no press coverage really. Um, there's the scrutiny from the board and obviously um, players, of course, as as it always. But in terms of um, when I was playing, you know, I've been in front of fifty thousand people getting barracked for being absolutely hopeless. So um, yeah, there's no there's no comparison at the moment with the two, yeah. two careers. Interesting. Love it. Love it. You go back in Sackov. Um, do you grow up in Dundee? Uh, Aberdeen. 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 Yeah. Lovely, so, lovely research, Shane. <laughs> no, no, but as in your first club was Dundee. Oh, first club was Dundee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, how many seasons did you play there? Because you played 223 times for Dundee yeah, yeah. in that first stint. Yeah, so I was there for eight years, I think, before I moved. And that's where you're doing your YT? YT was at Dundee, yeah. What was it like back then in, in Scotland? <sighs> tough. Was tough. it? Yeah, no, tough. It's, um, I moved where when I was 15, 16, and I've said for lots of times, like I was in a, so a lot of my friends were signed with Man United, Chelsea, Aberdeen, Rangers, Celtic, Dundee United. I never signed with anyone. Like, so I was a late developer as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, but I was the only one to sustain a career. So, you know, at least kids that got the stuff early, whether they thought they'd made it or they didn't <clears throat> improve to the level they were expected to, mm. and they maybe thought it was too easy to get it, none of them sustained a career. And that's a lot of my mates. I've never been able to, to make a career in the football. Whereas I was sort of lucky, I was always fighting, fighting, fighting to try and get there. Eventually got there, but um, you know, got a bit of luck to get into the YT. And YTS was tough, and I really struggled the first year, really struggled. And it's crazy, like, I live in Sydney now. I was homesick going from Aberdeen to Dundee. Yeah, I was like, going to say, so did you have to move out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Living digs and stuff? Moved out of 16, and I'd grown up and been obviously at home. Mum, dad, do never inform her. <laughs> Move out of home and um, yeah, you've got to find your own own way. In the, in the That's world. where you learn so much, though. Big time, big time. I, honestly, I can't believe they've stopped doing the YTS, like the roles for the kids and that. You know, I had to do like the, the all the washing the kit and cleaning the boots and that. They've stopped all that in the UK, and it's crazy because it's such a good thing to learn discipline. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. When I first came to Sheffield United, uh, Kevin Blackwell as manager, terrible manager by the way. I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> mate, he's a belter. I've heard that. So much <laughs> I, it was like my first week. It was in pre-season, and something happened with the water bottles or something. Something wasn't right. Something yeah. failed, or the balls weren't pumped. So he's came down to the to the academy building, got everybody in the academy. I don't know. He's ordered like two hundred sweeping brushes, and we're going around sweeping the. Like sweeping the the car park in the like we were sweeping nothing for like two hours. <laughs> so I was like, someone said something like, "There's nothing to sweep anymore." <laughs> but he he came down, he's battering us. He was like, "Just keep sweeping." I was like, oh, punishment. I've got, I've got a question off script, standard, love it. <laughs> like for me, it's definitely where I learned so much, not just about football, but like life in general. When I was a YT, the mighty Wrexham, obviously, you know, with me shouting, me shouting Wrexham all the time in training, but. What is uh, one of the best YTS stories you've got for us, Gov? Oh, a few At Dundee. Uh, Was it a two-year or three-year YT? Two-year YTS, but I signed pro after a, a year and a half. Ah. So I done Some clubs used to do what, three years. What league were Dundee in at that time? They, like the championships. Championship, the one yeah, yeah. below the Prem. So yeah, we when I first joined, like we'd done everything. We'd done, as I say, washing the kit, packing the kit for games. and So it was, came to Christmas time and we had... Um, some reason they gave us two weeks off, so we were absolutely buzzing. Like getting to go home for Christmas, 
absolutely buzzing. All the boys going back down to Glasgow. We're going back home at Aberdeen. But on Boxing Day, you know, we play Boxing Day. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone packed all the stuff. So we're all and then packed all the stuff, and then we've all went home for Christmas. The first teams arrived at the game on Boxing Day, and one of the YT lads had forgot to pack all the shin pads. So there was no shin pads. <laughs> oh the wow! None. So they had to borrow shin pads from the other team. I think it was Clyde Bank at the time. And the manager went off his head, got a phone call, and that was it, two weeks off. With one day <laughs> off, been. back in. And because they hadn't um, anticipated us being in the flats or the, the digs, there was no heating in the digs. There's nothing turned on. We had nobody to cook for us. We were all just straight back in because we messed up, obviously. Wow. And that was something I just think, like, if that ever happens again, I'm going to check everyone myself because you oh can't trust God. anyone. So, no way. Wow. The shinnies, the shinnies. No Love shinnies. That. Imagine that going to a game and there's no shinnies. Get the cardboard ah. out, mate. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, them, them days are gone, aren't they? Whose boots did you used to clean up? Did you have a first team player? Yeah, I used to, so Neil McCann was my first, first player. Yeah, so he's gaffing out, isn't he, somewhere? He was, a, he was gaffing at Dundee. He, he played for the Rangers and Scotland and Hearts. Had a great career in Southampton. Um, so he was my first first player done, uh, first player. There was, a couple, there was this guy, a Czech Republic guy, he actually played for Czech Republic, his name was Dusan Vertel. And he got actually got a shot in the war in the Czech Republic, like years before when before he became a footballer. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he had this boot, so he had a Puma King, but he had an extra like half a bit on it on top of it to stabilise his foot. So I was like, at Christmas time, I was thinking, I'm sure they'll give us a bit extra because I've got extra boot to, to clean. <laughs> <laughs> but he never, it was just the same. I was like, come on. Oh, my, my Chris, you, whose boots do you do, Shane? Uh, um, Rob Coslook. Yeah, 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 he's a yeah, legend. Yeah. He's a funny guy, though. He, he's back. Clean any boots? No? Nah, for real. Was it? But I think maybe like that's that's pretty big in the UK and that sort of yeah, culture. Yeah, it, it is a UK thing. They stop now because all the boots are different, um, all coloured. Yeah. You can't even clean. Joe, them mine was Shane. <laughs> Darren Ferguson, Alex Ferguson. Oh, so. yeah. oh, what a bonus I got! What a bonus I got at Christmas. <laughs> Darren, if you listen to this, you're a legend. <laughs> he went to Peterborough and did back-to-back promotions, yeah, and he it was between him and someone else at Wrexham, and that was a big mistake that they made. He left. So anyway, so um. What, what age were you when you made your debut then for Dundee? Yeah, so as I sort of said, the first year at Dundee, I really struggled. Um, homesickness, just getting used to being a professional, not a professional, but like training day to day. And I was miles behind the level of, of the other players at, at that time. And you know at the end of the YTS, like you get brought into the office at the end <laughs> of the season, and there's like a line and the boys are just like, you're coming in. Yeah, yeah, one of your mates comes out and they're like, "Ah, oh, no, it's me. I'm gone." You know, so it's, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst ever. So it's like, luckily I got kept on because towards the end of the season I started scoring a few goals and started getting a bit more confident. And then so they kept me on, and then just by them keeping me on and giving me an extra year, just gave me so much confidence. So the next year, I played every YTS game, every reserve game, and I played five first team games. So I started played I played first team when I was seventeen. I made my debut when I was seventeen. It's quality. Uh, and so it was like in and out for that first year and a half and then managed to after that get back get in the team and be a tough league that going up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. And I also one of the best things I done when I was on YTS, so no like players go out on loan from on the pro. Mm. I actually went on loan but to a junior side in Aberdeen. So it was like I was sixteen, you know, playing against like thirty five year old men, like proper men. Yeah, not in the pressure of a first team environment, but it was yeah. like on loan. But it was still pressure because I was still young, and you were expected to be better than what they had, which probably were. But 
it was um, it was a great grounding for me, and it was something that I think all kids should do if they do get a chance is to just go and play against men and to get that experience because it definitely helped me. Yeah. What's um what's the best bit of advice you could give for like a 15, 16, 17 year old that's trying to break into the first team? Um, it all boils down to hard work. You know, it really does. The best players, the best players, the best teams in the world, all uh, work the hardest. It's as simple as that. You know, I managed to sustain a career by being able to outwork a lot of other people. Yeah. You know, even when I was playing first team football for Dundee, and I was probably one of our best players at that point, I'd go back to the gym and at Dens at our stadium and do an extra two mile run myself in the gym just because I wanted to be that next level. I wanted to just outwork everyone, and I was fit anyway. So being able to do that just took me to the next level and put me above other people that better, probably better players than me, you know, in terms of technically at that level, at that age. But I could just outwork people, and that was that's how I managed to sustain a career. That's exactly how I got me. I got a question actually on that because obviously you said you're quite a late bloomer. You joined yes. the YT at 15, you said? Uh, 15, nearly 15, 16, yeah. yeah. Like obviously, this is a big question, especially around Australian football where there isn't that many opportunities. Mm. Do you think there's an age where maybe a player has to get to and be like, okay, I'm 19, 20, I'm nowhere near the first team. Am I really good enough? Or is that old saying, don't let anyone tell you you're good enough, really true? Like, wh- when would you say, okay, you know what? I have to be honest with myself. Maybe I'm not good enough. Or yes, yeah. obviously a lot of players here might not get that opportunity as early as 17 or yeah. 18 because it's so hard here to, to make yeah, it. And obviously we coach a lot of those type of players that are like, they kind of get to 16, 17 and they're not too sure where to go next, even if they're in a Sydney FC or Wanderers environment. Just because it's so hard. To your point, Joel, it's a good question because well, I, I played first team at 17 hmm. and you've got to be aiming around that age to be there or thereabouts. But I think that's in the UK where there's more clubs and there's more opportunities. Yeah. Whereas here it's a bit different. And I think there certainly comes a time that you've got to realise that you're maybe not going to make it and you're not good enough. There's this, there is exceptions to the rule who are really late people. You know, you talked about Ian Wright and mm-hmm. Jamie Vardy who played non-league and then became top, top pros, but that's such that's a one small in, minority. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people now that think, oh, if, like there's a lot of talk about Vardy, you know, late yeah. bloomer, and too ma- I think too many players kind of hide behind that now thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. if he did it, but that's one in who that's knows how many million Tiny, tiny players. percentage, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, it's it's, yeah, you've got to, you know, I think you just got to be honest. I mean, so you want to be, you, ideally, you want to be in and around that environment by 16, 17, right? Ideally, where I, I think if like, to, take Australia for instance, yeah, if there's a kid in Australia who's not playing, if they're not with Sydney FC or Wanderers or full time academies, but they're playing like MPLC, mm-hmm. if they're not in and around the first team by the time they're 16, 17 good enough for first team yeah. they're going to struggle to maintain a full-time career abroad yeah like very very difficult you know standard to achieve mm-hmm. if you can't mix it with first first grade players at that age be very very difficult to to go from that age and then like get to like 2021 and then go to the uk yeah well, or we have that those conversations like that's that's time. I, I, i've got to add to that though um and maybe throw a spanner in the works in terms of maybe if there was a young player on this table and they want to fight their corner. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the system then. Well, this, my opinion, is Australian football and the MPL leagues is all about winning. 
and not so much about development. So you might have, you know, like an under 20s or a first grade that won't take a chance on putting a 16-year-old in because they want to get three points for the club championship. And uh, do you think maybe that's hindering the development of the players by not getting a chance? Because there might be some good players, but they might not get the chance because, I don't know, a coach wants to put a more experienced player in just to get the result. But if they're good enough, then they should be able to go. Fair enough. You know what I mean? So, like, and that's the thing. It's the same in the UK. Like, if you're if you're old enough, and the, then you get chucked in because that was that was like me. I was seventeen, and I was old enough, uh, young enough. I was young, sorry, but good enough to mix it with the, with the first team pros at that point. And you know, I, I'd love to be able to give kids an opportunity as a coach. That's my. I love giving kids an opportunity to play, but you know, there's. there's very few around that are ready to mix it at that level at that age and mm-hmm. it's uh, you know I think the the age in Australia people I agree think that you know 17 is still young 17, 18 is still young and that is to an extent but to be able to play football professionally it's, it's not it's not young at all it's ready it's time to go it's time yeah, to go yeah, eh? yeah. I'd probably take your point as well Jonah in terms of some coaches might not want to chuck them in um, I suppose it depends on philosophy but yeah. Um, you know, if they're that good and they're standing out at 18s and 16s, under 16s, under 18s, and they're really standing out, why wouldn't you put them in? We had the, an under 18s kid play with us that last um, preseason game against yeah. Spirit. Remember the centre back that came on? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he, he was sound, he was good. Yeah, yeah. And to yeah. yeah, and that's it. And, but that's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because they've got a. Australia is such a difficult environment for football in terms of the pathway you know I look at my son who's 11 now and his his what's his path in football if he's going to have a chance to make it is it Australia or is it the UK yeah, yeah. and that's or is it Europe or UK whatever you know it's 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 really difficult there's just not there's not that many opportunities here in Australia we talked about this on the Fondra one that that for me is the biggest difference when I was growing up and when you were growing up you can see the light at the end you, you can see it right in front of you you're like that's where I want to go. And because you're turning up as a YT or whatever and you're in that environment, you know what you're working towards, whereas I just feel like there's lack of that here. You know, there's not really a path. They can't really see a clear pathway to go. And that's why a lot of players like, I want to go overseas. And it's just, I feel sorry for them sometimes because there's a really yeah. good talent here, but I just feel like sometimes... No, I agree. I mean, it's not some proven over the years they've got some really good 100%. talent. I mean, there's, the national team have done better than what my national team, Scotland, have done over the last 20 years by, by <coughs> miles. So it's not like there's not players and players developing. The pathway is definitely a problem here. Um, you know, but saying that, and again, it's landscape. I mean, there's 92 professional clubs in England. Yeah, it's unreal. You know, that's huge opportunities. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the football ecosystem here in, in Australia is it's difficult for the kids to get that chance but again if, if they are outstanding then they'll get chances it's just trying yeah. to be that next level I like it I like, we always have this like don't we we love it on this podcast yeah did you know um, no they, they, it was a sort of it was a policy they sort of had that they'd done um and it was normally they normally done it when you were signed first grade and you went to a lower division, you know, like you see all the time. That is a normal. But with the YTS, and so I was second year YTS, 
and then loaned out to juniors local league in, in Aberdeen. Um, that was a policy they took up, and it, it was just, I mean, the work wonders for me. I mean, I was like battling proper men yeah. um, mm-hmm. week in, week out. It was great. There's a lot of mm-hmm. mindset that the sooner you're exposed to the yeah, yeah. quicker you are, you know, you can see it in the other way, you can see the results. It's for me, it's a bit of a bubble. Yeah, yeah. But then when we're, when we're going to play, we're going to talk about games. Yeah. It's when there's points on the line. When there's yeah. something to play for, that's the, com- the competitive spirit is, is something you don't get in reserves. And, and you, mm-hmm. in youth league, you do to an extent, but... You know, the reserves is it's, it's a means to getting people fit and, and try to get people back on form. But yeah. actually getting out and, and having to play for points in people's livelihoods is, is totally different. And that's something that kids should definitely do as soon as possible. Well, that's the pressure you're going to have to deal with eventually if you want to play at that level. Definitely. The earlier, the better, right? Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Interesting. Interesting, Interesting. insight. Yep. No, I'm Aberdeen. So I grew up in Aberdeen. And, and when I grew up in Aberdeen... Aberdeen were the best team in Scotland because Sir Alex Ferguson was the manager. He oh, totally transformed my club, <laughs> and then that's how I support Man United because I f- sort of followed him. Oh, yeah, that's the, end of, that's the end of the podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week. Um, so, uh, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about how that how Rangers come about. Yeah. I want to talk about you made your debut against Celtic, and. Even for me, growing up as a big Liverpool fan, I, I always used to turn my head to that Rangers Celtic yeah, game because it's huge. So, what was it like going to Rangers, and what was it like making your debut? And, and we read that you got injured in the first thirty minutes <laughs> yeah. as well. So. Yeah, I had um, I played like ten years at Dundee, so eight years pro, two years YTS without any injuries, like apart from little niggles, hamstrings, but not nothing major injuries. And just before I signed for uh, Rangers, I had a niggling hammy and it <coughs> kept coming and going. It was so frustrating. But then I got down, done my medical at, at Rangers, and then it was funny, like, because during the medical, there was a couple of other injured players, and we had to do, like, uh, like a fitness test for the game. So it was, like, ended up being, like, this skill session. I was like, oh, no, here we go. Because like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not skilled. I think I've... I've done one Cruyff turn in my career. Um, I don't do Cruyff <laughs> um, So, gets to gets to the Murray Park training ground, beautiful training ground, and I was doing a skills session with Ronald De Boer and oh, Mikey Knowles, and I'm like, wow, like, I'm going to have to really concentrate. You're going to have to through. throw it. Oh, you're <laughs> going to have to throw a Cruyff in there. Oh, wow. Luckily, I managed to get through it. Probably the best skills I've ever done in my life, but just because <laughs> I was so concentrated just to get through it. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, obviously, like, you know, to keep the ball up between us, like, two touch, one touch, no two way. touch between us all. And it was just like, and then oh. chucking a turn, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> 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 That's proper sweating. And yeah, so it was... Uh, That's decent, yeah. man. It was good, and then got through that. I just didn't want to look... I didn't want them to think, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> look at this Muppet. Do you know what? After speaking to all the pros that we've spoken to, <laughs> they've all had moments like that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like Cliche was saying when he walked into the changing room with the Invincibles and you just stood there staring at him. Think or swim, did, yeah. you, did you have a, oh, a, a moment time, like yeah. that at Rangers? Yeah. Uh, we, had, we, had some, we had some huge players. Time, yeah. Um, yeah, we had some, some massive So players. yeah, is that going there for the first time? Is it quite... It's done, yeah. Yeah, there? definitely. Because I'd sort of been working my way through to like, being one of the top or one of the like, better players at Dundee and yeah. you know, an asset to Dundee and then you go from that to being like a big fish yeah, a small pond up to the opposite and then it was just like yeah wow you go into this dressing room beautiful training ground mm-hmm. with top top players Stefan Kloss you know German international keeper just like 
all it, I think every every single player there was an international. Um, so it was totally next level. And like I said, I had this niggling hammy injury and managed to get through the, the medical and then the, the skills session to prove it. And then the training on the, the two days before the, the old farm game. And then, so McLeish, she was the manager beside me. She says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck you in. I was like, oh, perfect. Wow. So I was That's buzzing. Cool. Come into the game and... Um, so you started that game, huh? Started, yeah, yeah. So I signed, on, I signed two days before I, I started. And were you nervous? Yeah, I was Old wasn't firm. too bad. Were you more, no. more nervous then or Hakoa? Yeah, more nervous <laughs> than Hakoa. Yeah, you know what? I never used to get nervous in games. I've been nervous for two games in my career and touching them later. FA Cup final and oh. um, when I was captain at Rangers due to other reasons. But um, yeah, so came into that game and I was feeling fine. And I remember going into the game, my dad and my uncle came down and my, my wife was there as well. But I'd never been an old firm game. I'd obviously watched we used to go, we actually used to go out on Sundays and make all day sessions of it. So we'd oh, play for Dundee on a Saturday and then all the boys would go out on Sunday and make an all day session. Oh, old fun game, perfect. Meeting the boozer at like 12. Wow. Sit and watch Love it. It. it was amazing. Proper amazing. culture. The game was yeah, yeah. massive. Wow. It was a big ad. For me, it's still one of the biggest games in the world. Like, yeah, without, yeah, a totally doubt, without a doubt. I mean, the focus on it's incredible. They the hate each other. Absolutely. They hate like each hate each other. I've got, I mean, I've got a friend who was at Cardiff with me, who's a Rangers fan, who said, Celtic offered him a million pound a week. He would not be able to play for them. He just would not be able to play for them. He wouldn't be able to put the strip on. Wow. It is. It's yeah, because yeah, it's like it's, the hatred comes yeah, from yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, But yeah, so but I wasn't nervous going to the game. I was, I was buzzing for it. I was really keen to get back in and get, get into the game. And Start number eight. Start eight. So I, early on in my career, I was a box-to-box number eight, you know, up and down. As I say, I could pretty much outwork most players and make a couple of goals and still get back and do the defensive side. Um, so I started as an eight, obviously, in my career, as I went on, I dropped further back and, back <laughs> and further back. <laughs> um, but Good yeah, job, Chaz. So that game made a, I can remember, started all right, it was no nil, and I made a burst into the box, past Neil Lennon, <laughs> and then just felt my hammy go, and I just felt, oh, wow. So, and it was the worst, it was annoying, because it, it sort of set the tone for my, for my time at Rangers. I was there three and a half years, and, done my hamstring that first game and then I took like seven weeks to get back made sure my hamstring was perfect and then I got a run of 11 games and I scored a couple of goals so it was buzzing and then towards the end of the season we were up at uh, Tannadice against Dundee United and uh, I'd done ACL and I'd never had a major injury so I was like I felt like it was agony like I remember just like jarring it and then agony but then so for about a minute and then it felt alright like anyone that's done their ACL if you've ever done it it's Really sore for about a minute, mm-hmm. and then it just like ever so the blood goes to it, and it's sort of it's then it's fine, like it doesn't feel too bad. So I can remember big Stephen Thompson, who was a striker at the time, like, how's, how's it feeling? He said, it feels right now. So I was like getting up, trying to stamp out. I was like, oh, does it feel the best? And then the physio came on, he obviously does the clunk test or whatever it is doing, you just in the ah, off, straight yeah. off. So I was like, and then it just blew up the next day. So I done my ACL. And then coming back from that, I actually had probably the worst injury in my career. I had um, really bad tendonitis on my quadricep tendon. And it's not a normal injury for footballers to have. So the doctor at the time, so we had a full-time doc for our club, which medicals, you know, was amazing for injuries. So um, I ended up getting like about 12 different injections, loads of different treatments, mm-hmm. nothing could touch it. And then eventually the doctor found this tendon specialist in Sweden so in deepest, darkest Sweden, we flew over. The guy looked at it. He's like, listen, I'm going to give you one injection. And if it doesn't work, you're going to come back and I'm going to operate on you. 
and went away. It's, it's always funny with the cortisone injections because you get it and you feel a million dollars. You feel like you could run out like the yeah. surgery. It just mm-hmm. feels amazing, but then it just gradually gets worse. So it didn't work, and then I had to go back and get surgery, and that kept me out for about another 12, 12 months in total. Oh, wow. So in, all in, I missed two years, two solid years. And at a club like Rangers, when obviously I'm not one of the bigger hitters, you know, you're seeing uh, midfielders getting signed every transfer window. So you're like, I'm watching a beautiful training ground with all of some unbelievable players missing out on that training. So spewing about that, missing out on trophies, ah. missing out on bonuses. Which was a killer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, all that stuff, it all adds up. And it's tough. And you, that's when you've really got to be mentally tough to get through a, a period like that. And it was, it was tough, but, you know, you grow from it. Bigger than our win bonus at the Lions. So. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, like, injuries... Just a quick one, obviously. There might be a lot of people listening to this that might be going through it right now. What advice would you give and how did you come back stronger than ever because obviously you went on to play for Cardiff yeah after it, that what did you do to, to get past it really it's, that's you know injuries is definitely for me the worst part of football it's you know it stops you doing something you love and you've just got to be so mentally tough to get through yeah. it I mean I had really good medical staff good environment to get back um, but I just the physio just used to I see him in the morning and he'd give me my programme and I would just follow it religiously just like bang I'm going to do that 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 just be like proper dedicated to doing the right things to get back to full fitness. It was crazy. It was uh, it was crazy. I mean, that season for me was amazing because I think I'd played 35, 40 times for Rangers in three and a half years. And that first season at Cardiff, I played 55 times. So, you know, coming just validation for myself yeah, of yeah. being back from, you know, getting away from the injuries. And I could have stayed at Rangers for another year because Walter Smith was, sorry, he was open to keeping me, but I just needed a fresh start. So, Got away and got down to Cardiff, which was which turned out to be an amazing move. Um, it was brilliant. I had four great years there. But that first year was amazing because I'd never played in the FA Cup at all. Obviously, being in Scotland. Yeah. And then first season, getting to the FA Cup finals. I was thinking, this is easy. Straight <laughs> <laughs> to the final. <laughs> but it was, uh, nah, it was amazing. We had, um, the biggest result was the, for us, was the semi-final because we put out uh, Barnsley, who had put out Chelsea and Liverpool, so they must have been spewing because they put them to out and then we, <laughs> we put them out in the semi, so they must have been devastated. But um, yeah, and that was a it was an amazing run. Um, we played a non-league team, Chase Town first. We were one 0 down, came back and won two one. Peter Whittingham, who sadly passed away not long ago, and uh, Aaron Ramsey scored a goal that day. So uh, it was Aaron Ramsey's first Cardiff goal, I think, possibly. Um, Chat yeah, about that later. Whittingham was an unbelievable baller, mate. What a baller! Yeah. He was a uh, he could run games, run games. His left foot was incredible, so laid back. But um, yeah, one of the biggest things that happened to me at Cardiff was he transitioned into becoming a centre midfield player. So as soon as he'd done that, I was thinking, oh, I could be struggling here because <laughs> I played on the left in the middle of the two. So when he started coming in, I was like, because oh, he, 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 he was a proper player. like He could have played top level. So, um, But yeah, and then we played, I can't remember who else we played, Hutt. Hereford, Middlesbrough, we beat Middlesbrough away. It was a massive result for us. Um, Whittingham scored that game, Roger Johnson. And then we played the semi against Barnsley and Joe Ledley scored the, the only goal. But that's probably my, that's probably the best game of my career, that semi-final at Wembley. Like I was proper on it that day and we won yeah. 1-0. I 
Ah, she should have scored. She have scored a diving here at Wembley. It was pure. The keeper got too too good a connection on it, and the keeper saved it. Um, that's probably my best day in my whole career. I would say looking back. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Ninety thousand goals. Serious? Yeah, it was incredible. And as I say, like I touched on it, like it's probably one of two games I've been really nervous for going into. Um, just think the magnitude of the game. I wasn't in the build up. I was okay. The build up was great. We had a we had a song. We had our own song. Epic Cup <laughs> final song. It was no. Stephen Thompson, one of our players who plays guitar, he wrote it. Brilliant. Wow. It was great. We've done a recording studio. We got the got the suits. You know, you talk Liverpool got. I think it was Versace suits when they played. Oh yeah. We got Marks and Spencers. <laughs> 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 it was, but to be fair, it was, it was what a suit it was. It was amazing. Um, so the whole build up was great, and obviously. Going into the game, like looking forward to, it. I had loads of family down, and it was just in the warm up. Went out for the warm up, and the, the pitch, the stadium was packed already. And that's like, that was when it was just like, yeah, wow, this is a big deal, like massive, massive. You didn't have that McDonald's fringe going on back then. <laughs> no, no, no. Surely had a fresh yeah, trim for that. Yeah. No, oh my that god. Gone, yeah. Oh, that's coming up a bit later on. <laughs> Got to have a chat about that. But yeah, no, so I was, yeah, went into the final. I played okay. I played okay. Not, to be honest, I don't think anyone played particularly well from, from both teams. Um, scrappy, it was a scrappy game, but it was, Pump, it was frustrating. Pompey had a crazy team. Pompey had it. See, looking Oi, back, go. what a team they had. We were looking at it before. I'll get it up now. I'll get it up. It was a Kind of scored the goal, yeah. Our goalkeeper sort of flogged the goal. Big Enkelman, Peter Enkelman flogged the goal. Yeah, it was a bit, bit rubbish goal, but... Keep yeah. chatting, I'll get it up, because... I think I can remember the team. So the David Unbelievable. James, Johnson... Sylvan, Saul Campbell, Distan. Yeah. Dara uh, was unbelievable. Cranchar, Pedro Mendes. Yeah, unreal. Canu. Canu. What a team they had. It's funny, in the first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. seeing the first minute, or early doors, I'm thinking, I'm going to have to smash something and try and, like, you know, put my Slip. mark on this. <laughs> I smashed Cranchar, Nico Cranchar, right? Absolutely nailed him. Like, it was so obvious <laughs> I was just trying to nail him. And he's, like, looked at me. Away and play rugby. And I was like, ah. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, fair enough. Oh, oh yeah, that's decent. Yeah, it was good back now, so. To only lose one 0 to that team, that though, very good team. like that, that Pompey team's frightening. It is like you look back and they've got some team in eh? FA Cup final. Unbelievable. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big Tom, I used to call him Jimmy Floyd. Cash in the bank. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> did he have Did he have bigger quads than you? He what, big. He was oh, up there. Like, he was up there. Can't believe it. He was a... Nah, he, you know what? Jimmy was a, just such a moan, like, all day, every day. Oh, yeah? Such a moan. Love it. But obviously a really good player. I, nearly, I was nearly fighting him one day. I put Sheffield United, actually. Bramble in. Yeah. We were 3-1 up. I'd scored 3-1 up. And then... Something happened for the for them for Sheffield United to get the second goal, so they came back to three two. I'd sort of gave the ball away, but there was like twenty passes between me giving the ball away and them scoring. And then Jimmy's going mental and me and Mark, mate, are you are you being serious? So we're fighting at the end of the game and then Dave Jones like just sit in. I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna sit in. Guess he <laughs> absolutely bops me here. <laughs> but, uh, I, do it. Was you guys, you guys. I wanna talk about a player um that's on the bench for you there, Gov. Yep. And I remember when I played with you at Akoa, you talking, telling me this story. But I, I remember asking you at Akoa, who's the best player you've ever seen? Yep. And you, you said Aaron Ramsey. Give, can you tell us a little bit He's about... He's the best young player I've ever, yeah. I've ever can played Can you tell with. us a bit about Ramsey? Yeah. So, like, when I, my first year when I signed at 
um, Cardiff, so it would have been season 2007-2008. Everyone was raving about this kid coming through. Um, said that he could be the next Gerard or whatever, and I was like, oh, okay, no worries. Because obviously that was my position. Wait, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's see. Like, and then, so got to the start of the season, and he was sort of training with the, the 18s, and then sometimes he would train with the first team. And he was sort of struggling to start with. The first few months, he was proper, not struggling, but just like, everyone, like, I couldn't see what everyone was talking about. But as soon as he got used to training every day, with, like, got up to speed of being a professional football player and training every day, he was outrageous. Outrageous for a young kid. Yeah. He'd be running first-team sessions at 16. Like, wow. ridiculous. We'd play Ovi Young in the, on every Friday. And oh, it, so it was him and Wits. So him and Wits in the young team, and they two together was it was actually embarrassing. Like Ram, Rambo, obviously what mm. everyone calls him, he could head the ball. He, he was quick. He was strong. He was you know left, finishing amazing finisher, left foot, right foot. But the biggest thing he had, and the biggest thing that's probably got him to where he is, is just mentality. Like no fear at all. Like yeah. just give me the ball in situations. Yeah, I'll take it. No worries. Give me it. Yeah, no worries. He yeah, came on that right. semi-final. We were talking about the semi-final of the FA Cup. He came on um, at right back for Kev McNaughton. Kev got injured or he'd cramp or something, as he usually did every game. Um, <laughs> Kev, yeah, Kev was great since he was like 14. <laughs> he's a great guy, Kev. But he's, so he came off that game. And so Aaron Ramsey's came on at right back. Never played right back in his life. Remember, this was Wembley, semi-final of the FA Cup. Honestly, he was like Cafu. He was doing step overs. He was like up and down. He was having shots. He was defending. He was unbelievable. He was like 16. And it was just like level above any young kid I've ever seen. He was miles above any young kid. Wow. No, obviously he's playing with C. Ronaldo yeah. in UV. Yeah. But he, I, I loved him at Arsenal, Jules. Yeah. Ram, Ramsey. I thought. I'm going to be honest. Like, obviously, everyone knows that I'm an Arsenal yeah. fan. And like, he, he's obviously. And import, like a player that everyone at Arsenal loves, but I also like for me personally, and I know a lot of people would agree. I just feel like he was very inconsistent at times yeah. at Arsenal. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, he had that massive yeah, injury, injury yeah, yeah, against against Stoke, but I think he had a, a six month period where he basically gaffed it. Like he yeah, was yeah. just scoring nonstop, yeah. amazing. But I just don't feel like he ever reached the potential I that, know what you that mean, everyone yeah. thought he would, because um, I just feel like he was very inconsistent at times for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. and then um, I think. He's definitely got the ability to play for a top team in the world. Like he could play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. Like I believe from yeah. seeing him and what he can do. But yeah, he probably just doesn't. Maybe not done it enough. You know, consistently week in week out. And whether that's been down to injury or yeah. you know runs in the team, but in sheer ability um, and belief, unbelievable, mate. Just like it's, it's mentality, mate. Just like no fear. Just next level. Maybe for all our young listeners. Maybe that I I know a lot a lot of our players that we were struggle with that like dealing with pressure and maybe that's why if you've got if you haven't got no fear what have you got to lose you know sort of playing yeah. in that in that sort of way yeah, yeah definitely it's I mean that's definitely a big part of the game is the mentality side um, don't think you can ever totally be comfortable you know I, even though I played obviously a lot of games but I've never you're never totally comfortable that you're the best player in the world but some players have got that that they just think. Mate, I'm I'm the best player in the world. Like I'm amazing. <laughs> like to have that ability, yeah, yeah. to have to be able to say yeah, that and have true. the belief in themselves. That's I I think the top athletes in the world have that. 
Jabba's got that. Mine's up. <laughs> Jabba. Love it, Jabba. You're a plug as well. <laughs> Love it. Wow. You know what? One of my most savoured <laughs> memories in football, I, was, I played, I started a qualifier um, at Hampden Park, three o'clock on a Saturday. Packed out. We beat Lithuania. Like, 2-1, I think it was, or 1-0, and Darren Fletcher actually scored a goal. He came on and scored a goal. But to be playing for your country at Hamden, at your home stadium, on a 3 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, with all my family there, play the full game, I mean, that's, it doesn't get much better than that for me. That was, wow. the, playing for Scotland is definitely the pinnacle for me. Really, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Playing for your country, for me, was, um, mm, that's something. Amazing. It's kind of strange, like we talk about late development. I never played for any, never represented Scotland at any age group, where always, most of my friends had. At any age group up until Scotland 21s, not been involved in Scotland at all, under 18s, nothing until Scotland 21s, and then obviously man, managed to kick on to the, to the first grade as well. My first manager at Dundee, Jim Duffy, was, was good because I, I just loved his. He was just straight with you, he would just like, he'd tell you if you were rubbish. He'd also tell you if you were really good. Like, he'd build you up if you were good and just tell you if you were rubbish. Just straight down the line, which, which I quite like. Um, Jockey Scott at Dundee was very good in terms of me being able to. Uh, progress my game because uh, he's a very good coach. I had the Italian managers at Dundee as well who were really good for the tactical side of the game. They were excellent. Um, didn't particularly enjoy the training but it was good tactically like to get more knowledge of the game. Um, Walter Smith at Rangers, you know, he was, yeah. he's just an absolute legend. I've got so much time for him. He's just, um, just his aura and his personality. Alan McLeish signed me for, for Rangers so obviously big Every manager, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've been. They've all got parts. They've all been. All been parts. I mean, there's no. I wouldn't say there's any rubbish ones. It's just been. You take parts from each of them. Yeah. So I learn. I've got a, actually a quick question on that because obviously you just said that you had an Italian or two Italian managers. Yeah, they were like a brothers that were the co-managers. This is like something that I've always thought yeah. about. Obviously, as as coaches, did they speak much English? Not to start with, no. How were they able to like communicate, obviously not communicate directly, but how were they able to obviously pass on the message that they wanted to through a translator and you guys actually be able to grasp that idea yeah. as players? No, that's a good question, mate. It's, um, it was tough to start with. They did have a translator, but I think once once you got out in the field, you know, you got, when we got into it, we had a few Italian players who we could sort of follow as, you know, the non-Italian speakings. Mm. Um, so they would sort of start and then we would just sort of follow them. And that was it. It wasn't too bad. Um, it was hard for them to start. It was really hard to get their messages across. But the training with them was really tactical, really fitness based. Very little football ball work. Right. Really tactical. But come a Saturday, we were so well like organised in the games, and that the games are actually some of the most enjoyed, most enjoyable I've played in my career because with a really hot, like really good team um, and very well drilled. Um, but training wasn't particularly enjoyable. But it was. Good tactically, tactically wise to sort of learn. So, would you, if you had the chance to take a really good job in a country that wasn't an English speaking country, mm. give it a shot? I'd love to, yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. I speak a little bit of Spanish, but not, probably not <laughs> enough to get through, but. Coach Gavin Aguirre. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. probably enough to get through. Okay. Uh, obviously, the wife being proving. So, I can understand a lot of it, but no, it'd be difficult. I'd love to do it, though. Yeah, yeah. I think for any coach that wants to further themselves to be able to become more rounded definitely coaching a different country without doubt it's got to be one of the things that you can do and to be able to speak languages I think you've got to immerse yourself in that culture mm-hmm. and, and do it day to day I think there's a couple of the top managers just now like, 
obviously Pep's been all over the world. Yeah, speaks I think he speaks all the languages. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, I think, speaks three different languages, even though he's just been based in the UK, but he's trying to further himself. And he's obviously top, top coach as well. So I think the top, the, the elite coaches, uh, they, mm, yeah. they should be doing it for sure. Because I think, like, obviously Shane knows, he's, he's a Leeds fan and the mm. manager that they have, Bielsa, which is yeah, one of yeah. the best, but... I don't know this for sure, but I don't think he speaks another language besides Spanish. For example, I know he doesn't communicate with the players mm. in English in mm. Leeds. He's learning slowly, but almost everywhere he's been where they haven't speak, spoken English, sorry, Spanish, he's had to communicate through a translator. Yeah. And obviously, he's very good at doing that. Because yeah, yeah. when you look it's at Leeds, they play yeah. amazing football. I think he did it in France as well with mm. Marseille, which didn't speak French. Yeah. So I've always found that intriguing. That, How that you pass on a message where you can't actually communicate that yeah. well with the players? I think... And if you'll hear it over time. A lot of coaches have struggled with that. Gary Neville said that when he went to Valencia. Yeah, he, you know, he just like, maybe they shouldn't have taken the role. You know, it's hard to sort of get his message across. But the times when they were there at Dundee, they had a translator, this wee guy, his name is Dario. <laughs> he was a lot of muppet. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's, the coaches were good, but it was, it was difficult. But yeah. it was like, with them, they were so, not, I don't wouldn't like to say arrogant, but just like, Headstrong. This is what we're doing. We're doing it in our in our culture, in our language. Learn, basically. Yeah. Which was actually you get used to. It, it wasn't ideal to start with, but you get used to it. And um, but yeah, no, it's a good question. Do you think that's gone of the old school mentality, Gaffer? Do you think that's gone? Hundred percent. Gone. Do you think? Do you think that's a good or a bad thing? Um, it certainly never done me any harm. I think life has just changed too much. You know. Yeah. We were growing up, and you have to fight for everything, and you know you get pushed. People, coaches would push you down to see you react, and if you could fight back and come through it. Yeah, I think now a lot of players, if you've done that, they just give up. Yeah, they just give up. Yeah, Gov, I was just going to say the stuff that I've seen growing up, and even I haven't had half the career that you've had, and I'm sure you've got some stories that you couldn't share. Yeah, mate. Yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, a lot of stuff you could I've, do. Yeah, had sure. tables and chairs thrown at me, mate. Yeah, yeah. imagine that now. Yeah. Yeah, like, no. I mean, it's, it's the, it really is. It, I think it, I do think it's there's a small there's a part of it, but it's it's hard to to, mm. to be that manager mm. that we had grown up. Now, I think it's a lot more difficult. I mean, I look at lifestyle and even in Australia, it's probably better. You know what you've got here in Australia. You know, don't have to fight for anything. I don't look at my son and my kids. They've got everything they ever wanted. Like nothing. Yeah. That's just life now. Not, don't get me wrong. It's great to be able to give your kids that, but then they've got to be able to still have that fight to get to the top. And if how do you how do you generate that when they've got everything? Mm. And that's that's a tough that's a tough question for coaches as well at the moment. You know, how do you motivate that kids to push themselves through adversity to get to the top when they've got everything and it's just too comfortable? And that's a massive problem in society for players, especially yeah. coming through. It's difficult. Hundred yeah. percent. That's why I feel like there's loads of players just thrown towel in. Yeah. As soon as it gets a little and bit, and they've tough, got loads of talent as well. Loads of talent. I've seen so many kids. And don't get me wrong. Even when I was growing up, there was kids much more talented than me that gave up. But not as many. I don't feel as now. Whereas any adversity now, they're just not. Nah, I'll just go and do something else. I'll do something else. They'll go and do something else. They'll try that, and then they'll hit a bit of adversity. Yeah. I'll just get that. I'll do something else. Um, you know, it's, and that's that mentality is, is hard. I try to coach my kids, but to tell the kids, you know, you've got to just keep going. Just keep, just even if I'm telling you something, just like fight back at me. Like, don't believe what I'm saying to you, 
you know, at least have a bit about you. You can fight. You can fight through something that you don't believe in because a lot of kids now just give up. Yeah, I agree. It's scary. I, I d- we ask everyone that comes on our podcast, go and we have a little segment which we'll do at the end. But um, and you can take you can take all the bars off it as well if you want. And if it's obviously bad, we'll, we'll edit it out, Shaz. But what's the craziest football story you could give us? Funny, funny or crazy? Anything. <laughs> Um, You've probably got millions. You know what? I've actually had to start writing these down on my phone. Yeah, I have. Yeah. A, I've got so many that I could go through. But if you want to give us more than one, we can. Give us. I like. I, this is what. This is what I love. As Gov goes wrote his stories down on his phone. I'm loving this. <laughs> give us. Give us. Come on. P. Oh, yeah, a little, little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Just try to remember. Yeah. There's loads. There is. I'm the same. So many. Um, Give us a decent PG one, go. Oh, I'll go for one just a bit derogatory towards myself first. <laughs> yeah, I like it, like it. So this is more football, and then we'll get on to some of the crazy nonsense. Yeah, yeah, come on. So come this on. is a football one. So basically, when I was um, Dundee, probably third or fourth year into Dundee, we played Celtic at Parkhead, and it was Lubo Moravchik. You remember Lubo Moravchik? Remember him? That, that name rings a bell. Wow, like such a two-footed player. It was his debut. Um, so in the game, for some reason, I'm playing right wing back in this game, right? Oh, you've never Russell. been a right wing wow. back. <laughs> what is happening here? I don't know why it was there. Henrik Larsson nutmegged me from about 15 <laughs> yards away. I'm just like joking. I'm just thinking, right, he actually nutmegged me, passed it past me to one of his teammates, nutmeg. Okay, I'm just thinking, wow, like... I can't believe he just name dropped Henrik Larson, no. but yeah, carry yeah, on. What a player! Right? He had his jets oh. at that point. Oh my yeah, god! Fifty. Fifty. I'm not making it. Like, what amazing. body position you taking? Up there, <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking. I'm yeah, playing right wing back. I had no idea what I was doing. So, um, gets to the end of the game. I think they beat us like six-one or something. It was ridiculous. They pumped us. So, comes to you know, you used to get the ratings in the paper. Oh yeah! Everyone, everyone always reads the ratings, right? They say they don't. So we come to the game, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get absolutely battered here. I'll probably get like a, you know, I'd be happy with a five, right? So I was thinking because I was so bad in the game. So I'm reading it. I've ended up. I got a two in the paper, <laughs> mate. I've played ninety minutes. And got a two. There were subs coming on and getting fours. I played 90 minutes and I got a two. Jules is cracking up. Jules is cracking up. So bad. Like, I was just thinking, how is that possible? Yeah, but you marking Henry Larson. Yeah, that's like Jonah versus Parkhouse, Manly. She's just compared Parkhouse to Larson. Wow. So, yeah, in terms of other ones, went to Dublin. Christmas night suit in Dublin was amazing. Temple Bar, yeah. <laughs> so we were sitting staying in the hotel right across from Temple Bar and I, I, we'd had like, this fancy dress. Obviously, we were there on a Saturday night, steaming. <laughs> Sunday, fancy dress. So we're all just waiting there. Um, gets fancy dress. I think I was dressed as Zorro at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was Danger Mouse. Love it, man. You know, there was like, uh, there was bananas. It was just, it was incredible. <laughs> so we're all in the Temple Bar, early doors, knocking on the door, let us in basically. So it was like 10 o'clock, we're all in, straight in. There all day. So we're, there at the time, we're just like making sure everyone was there. So we're going through the roll calls. Everyone here. The only person that wasn't there was Robbie Fowler. So Growler wasn't there. Next minute, you just see him. He's got a boombox, a grey hair wig, 
roller skates on and he's just roller skating down the street in Temple Bar straight into the boozer <laughs> amazing so he's obviously came from Liverpool legend he's straight in boombox rollerblades he kept him on the whole day he kept him on the whole day so we're in the, we're in the, wow. the pub the whole day right I can't name the player but there was one player that did not move from a seat the whole day <laughs> drank all day it did not move so you can imagine what he was doing he did not move the whole day he just oh sat there all day just boozing and every now and again you just see him oh, oh my oh, god Jesus no way. <laughs> Gav, you've just name dropped two players that I have to just ask a little bit more about before you because these stories are brilliant. But Henrik Larson, yeah, tell what was it? What was he like? He was Gav? Too good for Scotland when he, when he was there. Oh he was outrageous! He was like one of my dad's favourite players. Yeah, no, he was. You know, a couple of games, he was always. I think like hearing back now, people say he was quite quiet, quite introverted like he's not a, like a big character and he's always just very focused I tried to have banter with him in a couple of games he just like stared right through me I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to talk to him at a corner and that and he's like eh, is it going back nothing just straight <laughs> looked straight through me as if I wasn't there I can't you've just named dropped Robbie Fowler as well yeah, yeah. funny enough that I've played against Robbie Fowler as well yeah, yeah. Re- uh, we used to play Liverpool Wrexham behind closed doors and it was when he first signed for Liverpool and I was playing centre half. Robbie Fowler come on. I couldn't concentrate. Yeah. What was he like, Gav? He was great. He just you came. played with him. Yeah, he signed. He was at Cardiff. So, yeah, he was great, great lad. <laughs> just a just a proper lad, like a yeah. normal guy. Yeah. He'd have like bacon, bacon egg rolls before training. That <laughs> just a proper geezer. Oh, it's like me, go. Yeah, just like no, like not a uh, not really professional, you know. Like, <laughs> but he struggled at Cardiff because he had a really bad hip injury. So he didn't. Really, I didn't really get to play with him that much. But that season, I signed for Cardiff. Was signed. Trevor Sinclair, Jimmy Floyd, and Robbie Fowler. I was signed in the same season as me. It was like, yeah, we were signing some great players, but yeah, Fowler was great lad. Could still see him training. His finishing was outrageous, outrageous. But he's one of the best finishes I've like on TV. Like, come on, Jude. Yeah, because you're a horrible Arsenal fan, aren't you? Oh, he's not. (laughs) He's not on Ray or Ian Wright, but he's still decent. He's up there, like finishing. Nah, he's good. Come on. Him and Michael Owen combo was decent. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? It's probably wow. it's a big regret, actually. You know why? No. And I'll tell you what, what happened was I was coming, it was my assigned Cardiff for three years to start with. And towards the third year, as I sort of said, Peter Whittingham had sort of started moving inside. And Joe Ledley, who was a left winger, had moved inside as well. So there was Wits, Joe, myself, McPhail, Cardo Schumacher, who's an older sort of pro and you know we were all vying for this two spots in the middle because Dave Jones always plays 4-4-2 no matter what it was always 4-4-2 so he sort of said listen with the boys coming in you know it's going to be really competitive got interest in you from another club um, but you know what was the biggest thing my kids had just been born and because where Cardiff was it was hard to it would be hard to travel up and down to Leeds so yeah. it was going to have to be move or stay basically and it was only a loan deal. It wasn't perm. So even if, if they'd offered me a one-year perm, I'd have went. But because it was a loan deal, it was a meant going. And then I had to just travel between Cardiff and Leeds. Uh, with the kids being just born and t- being twins. And we were there ourselves. So we just, I actually couldn't do that. So it's a big regret not being able to get a chance. Because um, that obviously was a huge club. It would have been amazing to play for them. But nah, it just didn't, just didn't work out. 
Gov, I think to, to finish the podcast, it's been an absolute worldy podcast, but I don't know what more we can do. Uh, we do what we, we do this segment with everyone and we, we find it really interesting. And I'm sure if the boys, uh, pick up on some interesting answers, we'll, might elaborate on it. But would you like a quick fire question round? It's like our little segment. You have five seconds to answer. And then at the end, Shaz? Well, we can elaborate on some of it and then we'll, we'll, we'll brush it up from there, Jules. I love this. You ready, Gov? Yep. Here we go. It's 26 seconds, but it goes like really quick, okay? Best player you've played with? Kinija. What? Interesting. Best player you've played against? Modric. <laughs> Not Cluzy, no. Best player at, um, best player at, Hakoa. He just made that on the spot. Dion. Yeah, no, what a player. What a player. Best manager ever had, we asked you that in the podcast. Uh, you have to pick one. Pick though. one, I'd probably pick Jim Duffy. The first one. And we just asked you this one as well. Best ground you've played at? Yeah, Emirates. Most hostile ground you've ever played at? Parkhead. Best moment as a footballer? Playing for Scotland. Love that. A player that you thought is stealing a living. LaFondra didn't answer this one. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Matt Clues. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, that, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one, yeah. We'll go back to that. Yeah. Let me think about it. Um, Nike or Adidas? Adidas. Oh. So I chuck Puma in there. What? <laughs> Love the little Pumas. Night out with the lads or night in with the missus? Out with the lads. <laughs> oh, <laughs> most. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. <laughs> look like a Messi. Oh, man. yeah. Oh, you have to think about that. Uh, best pair of boots you've ever had? Preds. Kingsies. Oh, he's gone Preds, lads. Uh, best goal you've ever scored? Probably one in Europe against Belashnia. Albanian giant. <laughs> 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 Uh, a player that you think or thought should be playing at a higher level? Again, tough. Um, yeah, it's tough. Eh? Or it could have been a player that you played You know who I thought it was unbelievable and he didn't have the career what he, sh- he could have? Daniel Sturridge. Mm, interesting. Played against Sturridge as well, but just, just you know. Um, best piece of advice Oh, Luke Wilshire, sh- sorry. Not Wilshire. Um, Jack. Jack Wilshire. Yeah. Sorry. Instead of storage? Yeah, Jack Wilshire. What a player, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was going to bring him up when you said Jack Wilshire. Yeah. Player. Hope he comes back, but... Tough nah, man. Tough tough what a baller, Yeah, he was a joke. Barcelona, Champions League. Yeah. Oh, best piece of advice you ever got during your career? Uh, enjoy it because it goes quick and, yeah, just be resilient. Oh, I like that. Your footballing hero growing up? Uh, you probably won't know him, Willie Miller. Sent a half for Aberdeen um, when Aberdeen were beating Real Madrid in the Cup Winners' <laughs> Cup final. <laughs> don't know Just name dropping there. Yeah. <laughs> um, best football game you've seen live? Uh, best one I've seen live I've played in. Um, I once watched <laughs> Scotland under 18s in a World Cup game at Pataudry at Aberdeen where I'm from and it was 
some someone like six all was the best game ever. Defences <laughs> 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 on top, but it was <laughs> it was such a good game. It was just like last minute goals and it did I have a good game. Who's your who's your best mate in football? Uh, I still speak to a good few boys I was in YTS, uh Lee Mayer, who's back in the UK. Um, Jamie Langfield again, done YTS move, we're still in touch. Robbo is obviously brother in law, he's in football, but yeah, yeah, brother in law as well, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. FIFA or Call of Duty? Or Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> um no, no. I used to, I used to play Call of Duty all the time. I'd probably say Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah cool. get it, get with the lads on Warzone. Um, best ever music album. Oh, massive music fan, man. Huge, huge music fan. Um, Kanye West, Graduation. Oh, right. Oh, we had Eminem yeah. last week. Didn't yeah, Lafonda said Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Eminem's yeah. album. Yeah, oh choice. my God, Kanye West. Early Arctic okay. Monkeys, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, oh, Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oasis. Yeah. Um, funniest player you've ever come across in your career? Big Tomo, Stevie Thompson. It was at Cardiff and Rangers. Wasn't it? Can you give us a st- quick story? He was just an idiot. Like he used to on nights out and that. He was just like, it's like there it was something wrong with him. Like he had two rests. He was just like always shouting out. Then he would smash glasses on his head. <laughs> just like so, he would just be sitting here having a drink, and he would just smash a glass on his head. He was like. He didn't tell me. He just, I don't know. And then he would just get another drink. <laughs> wow. He was a nutter. Absolute Jesus. nutter. Funny, funny guy. He used to get the guitar out and that on nights out. He was good. Including all sports, who is the greatest athlete ever? I, would love, I was loving last week's answer on this one. Oh, athlete ever. Probably Ali or Tiger Woods, maybe? T Dubs is. LaFondra said T Dubs. Love that. Uh, best player you've played with in Australia? <laughs> Take me out of it. Someone that's stood. Uh, doing very good. Very oh, good. Yeah, yeah, someone that's like stood out for you in Australia. Anyone? Like, oh, it's cool. well, De Jong, we obviously thought we could help try to get, push on to the next level, and he's, he's playing. Well, he's full time now in South Africa, but mm. he's played New Zealand. He's probably a good. Probably he the was. Best. He was a very good player. He was very, very good. good. There's some really good players in Australia. Some really good, technically gifted players in Australia. And the teams we play against as well. There's some good, good players. Not like Larson or <laughs> like the players you're used to playing against. <laughs> and then describe yourself in three words, Gav. Last one. Um, hard working. Love it, go. Um, like to think honest, <laughs> um, humble. Yeah, like, I like to think the three H's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, podcast again. What a quick question! Did you say you, you played with Kanija, Argentinian, Argentinian Kanija as well. Yes. Where'd you play with him? So when he, if you go back to when I was at Dundee with the Italians, yeah. So Love the Italian Italians. Manager, so we sang loads of players from all over the world, Argentina. Italy, Georgia, the, basically the business model was broken. It didn't work and the club <laughs> did end up going into administration because we were yeah. paying over the odds for so many players. But at the time, it was, it was a blast at the time for the fans and for me. I was playing with some unbelievable players and there was rumours of Kanija coming because Ivano, who was our manager, had played with them in Italy. But when he did actually come and sign, we were just like, yeah, what, what a player, lads. Mate, 
he was like five levels above yeah. what he was playing at. He was ridiculous. <laughs> wow. And even like, I've played with some phenomenal players at Rangers and in Cardiff. Um, obviously, Dundee throughout my career. He's the best player I've ever played with by a map. He was Lovely, outrageous. Man. And he was 33 when he joined. Yeah. So wow. in his pomp, he would have been player. ridiculous. Player, yeah, yeah. And um, he actually moved. He went from Dundee to Rangers. And then, so he okay. actually oh, yeah, signed for us and then he went to Rangers. And then he, he killed it at Rangers as well. Great player. I absolutely love hearing stories like that. Yeah, it's the best. We talked about who did we talk about it on one of our podcasts? Just when you come across a player and you're just like, wow, look at that. Um, anything you want to on the on the quick players, boys? That Gov says he from the three of us. Thank you so much for for coming down because it's not it's not often we get a lot of people actually in the in in live. Normally we do it over Zoom. But yeah, it's been again an unbelievable podcast, and a lot of our listeners are going to enjoy this one for sure. But we want to try and always give back to our players, and there's a lot of insights there for young players, as as you know from Gavin. Um, one that really struck with me was you were a late developer, so the big message there is for players not not to give up, basically, and, and keep working hard. Not to panic. Some great stories, and again, thanks, Gav, for. Um, for coming down, mate. And the last question I've got, like, who, who's the best player out of me, me Jules? And <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> you love it. Take me out of it, Gov. Just basically. <laughs> All right, Gov, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, mate. You're a legend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gov. Legend, Thank mate. Thank you. Take care, guys. Yes, legends. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please follow us on all our social media platforms and don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you on the next one.